everything up there, we'll do fine. Um, you know, I, I want you to know that your prayers have already been answered. Um, Joe's a great pastor. I sent him my, uh, my verses. I told him I was going to make a little joke of this today because it's kind of funny how God does stuff. And uh, I sent him my verses. Well, I mean, let me step back for a second. Joe gave me two words to talk about today. Two, not a verse, two words, okay? And I know that in his heart he said, okay, come on, let's see what happens with this. <clears throat> and uh, so I sent him my verses, and he sent me back, and he says, do you know these verses take up 24 slides, and that's even without your notes? So it's like, I send this to Joe, Joe goes, okay. Here. <laughs> and praise the Lord because that's the way the word Lord, word, the, the Lord does things. So thank you, sir. And I believe without reservation that, um, that he will bless that because that's how God works. Now, I brought my little timer up here just in case. So just to let you know, it goes to 99 minutes and 59 seconds. But I have it set for 55, so you're in good shape. So hopefully we won't even get close to that. We'll see. Um, idolatry and witchcraft. Notice the witchcraft is in, in parentheses, as a quote. The Brothers of Destruction. This comes from Galatians 5.19. Now, if you're like me, the first thing that happens is that uh, you've got to be looking at it and saying to yourself, how does that apply to me, you know? I don't have any idols, okay? And I don't play with witches, okay? I don't do any witchcraft. The, um, and, I'll, and we'll reveal that in the context. But before we do that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Galatians, just a little bit. Um, for those of you, many of the books of the Bible are, are talking about not countries. And, and this particular, Galatians actually is not a country. It's a province. It's just about the center of Turkey today, okay? And what's interesting about this is that Turkey was the bedrock of Christianity in the first century. How much Christianity do we have there today? Okay? It, it, lets, just, it lets us know that God can move the church anywhere he wants to. And those who do not obey, the church is removed. Okay? It's an important thing to understand. <clears throat> now, he went to those places. He went to Galatia. In his first missionary journey, his second missionary journey, and his third missionary journey, all three of them. He wrote this while he was on, his, on the backside of his third missionary journey. What's important about Galatians is to let you know is that they were the Celts, okay? So we have a brother of the Celts with us, okay? Because they, they were the Scots and the Irish and, and them came from. So that would be uh, Pastor Charles. He's related to the Galatians. So if uh, this is bad, blame him. That's a joke, don't blame them. Um, but what they did is that when, they, when the Celts actually moved across uh, Europe, they settled uh, on, on, in, the, in the, uh, New England, in England, and some of them actually came back across, um, and came across and they actually uh, settled in uh, what's called um, um, the, the Hittites area, where the Hittites are. Um, and they settled there and they became Galatia, and they were actually 
like the uh, like the the Irish and, and the and the Scots and those of Northern England were great fighters. So they were virtually unbeatable. Nobody could do much with them. So they settled there, and it's actually one of the reasons that they have, for the most part, become very great believers, because they understood discipline and instructions. So given all that, let's move on to the uh, piece we have here. The um, there's four. Joe talked about four categories last week. Let's see if I can even get to this thing. Aha! And I wanted to start with uh, verse 19, because it's kind of it's kind of all blended in there. And as you can see, verse 20 has the first three letters, including an and that are mine. <laughs> and but, it's, but the first piece says, "In the acts of the flesh are obvious." That means they're apparent. Okay. And what I think is funny about that is most Christians would like to deny the fact that they have flesh, that they have a sin nature, that somehow God has removed all that. Well, you don't have to stay in church very long to figure that's not true. Okay? Sin nature comes out everywhere. We're not done with it. But the word um, flesh right there is the word for old sin nature. And um, it's what we all have. And believe it or not, you possess the roots and the seeds for every single thing that's written up there, all of them. Most of the time, they're just waiting for the place to come out. And most of us would be honest. We would know that between us and God, that those things are there. Now, there's two categories that, interesting enough, there's four categories of sin listed up there. They are, uh, in those verses, they are sins against God, sins against self, sins against others, and sins against the word of God, which would be like blasphemy and stuff like that. We're only going to cover the first two, um, which is God and self. The, um, the name for the old sin nature, just one touch bases, is the old man, also called the flesh. And the word flesh is the word, I, I love this word, it's the word sarke, okay? And what it, if you know what sarke is, it comes from the word sarcophagus, okay? That's where they put dead people, okay? So it's a good reminder that what comes with the flesh is ultimately going to be destroyed. It's going to come to nothing. Okay. It's also the natural man in the scriptures. It's called the carnal, uh, carnal man, and it's also called the heart, but only in one verse, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things who can understand it. Okay. The, everybody has a sin nature, and that's covered in Psalms 51, 5. So it lets us know that what I like about that verse, and I'm not going to read it because I'm just going to blow through these things, but I want to let you know, it tells us that there is no exception to this. Everybody who has ever been born or created in reality has this in nature except for one. That would be Jesus Christ. If he had this in nature, he could not have died for us. The sin nature is incurable. It's unchangeable. Guess what? You can't change your sin nature. That doesn't mean you can't change the way you behave or the things that you do. It just means that your sin nature is there, just waiting all the time. And a lot of times what happens with us as people is we think we're going to grow out of stuff, and that old stuff went away when we became saved. I've heard enough of Joe's driving stories to know that that's not true. I'm just picking that joke because it's fun. Um, but I know that's true about me, too. I know that sometimes I'll do something and I'll be surprised. And, and I think what this verse is saying is that don't be surprised. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't go anywhere. You still have it. The piece I love the most, the verse I love the most is that 
Nothing good can happen from your gold sin nature. Your flesh can never please God. And that comes from Romans 8, 7, and 8. That no matter what you do in the flesh, or you do it on your own, God will never, ever be pleased with it. That's an important thing to understand. The, um, the word for idolatry, I'd like to move the word idolatry a little from the past, which we're familiar with. We'll touch base with that. But I want to move it to what it is today. Because most of us would say we don't have idols. Okay? The scripture would call us liars. Okay? But I'm not going to do that, of course. I'll let the Holy Spirit convict you himself. Um, but one of those lusts of the flesh, one of those idols we keep is power. Power happens in the, in the strangest times. It happens when things aren't going the way we want to, so we grab them. And we exert our power over them. Okay, why? Because we're not comfortable with them happening God's way. We have to, like, grab them. Okay? Uh, power is what you see going on in our country today. One of the worst examples of it. Okay? Materialism. Okay, that's another word for money and stuff. Most of us struggle with materialism. Um, I was going to make a joke about counting the the offering to make tell you how true that was, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but it tells you that money is so important to us that giving to God is really a struggle, even with our offering. Okay, when God gives us everything, we struggle to give even the pittance back to Him. That's idolatry. Okay, that's idolatry. Pleasure. When you put pleasure over being with God. And I'm not going to name football games. No, I wouldn't do that. Or the Super Bowl. Or anything like that. I wouldn't do that. Sexuality. And Joe's going to cover some of these, but these are the ones that are ours. These are, these are our God, small g. Okay? I remember when I was an unbeliever, I thought, if I ever can't have sex, just kill me. Okay? I think Joe actually said it. He didn't know he was talking about me. But, you know, and, and 30 years ago, you know, when I was a younger man, that seemed like a, a perfect reason for death. Approbation. That's, a, that's kind of a high word. Approbation is a desire for people to like you. It's a desire that people think well of you. This is where gossip comes from. This is probably the biggest god in the church, okay? is because people want people to like them. We want people to think that we're holy, OK? OK, I'll tell you what. The only reason you're holy is because God put his temple of his Holy Spirit in you and in Christ. That's it, OK? And you didn't even do it. Truth is, you couldn't do it. So approbation lust is a really hard one to watch and probably the biggest crime in the church. There's criminal lust. There's crusader lust. This one is the one that Joe talks about all the time when he's talking about Facebook, you know, the political points of view. Now, we as citizens of God are required to uh, have divine viewpoint on our country, divine establishment, okay? We are required to have that. That is God's responsibility for us as citizens. But when you take the crusader part of that, of being political, and you essentially push everybody away from you by doing that, you have made it a God. You have made it more important than God's mission for you, 
which is the gospel and a holy life. Okay. Revenge. I'm not even gonna talk about revenge. You know. This is when somebody cuts you off and that godly part comes out, usually in some kind of manifestation of arm movement. Um, and the last one um, is chemicals, drugs. This is very prominent in our society. Um, this is the part that is part of the focus of this verse. But these are the gods of our side, of our time. These are the prominent ones. Most of us don't have little rocks and little carved images in our house that we sit down and do our stuff to. But these we bow to all the time, every day. The word for um, idolatry that's here is uh, idolatria, okay? And it means to worship idols. But the definition of this is, of, this is the important part, is it, the, the definition of that word that it's using here is the worship of anything other than God, okay? Anything. This wears many faces, and it is both internal and external, okay? Idolatry is the foundation of demonism, okay? Inside the church, and outside the church. This is the one that is a sin against God in those four categories, okay? It's placing anything before him, person, money, even concepts. If I take a concept that I believe in that violates the word of God, I have made it above God. And by definition, it is an idol. It is an idol. Now, just read the rest of this context. Um, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, this is in many verses actually, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, in this case, what it says live like this is a word that uses words is the word prosso. It means to habitually do it. Okay, there's another word called poieo, which means to do it occasionally. And that's not to let you off the hook. There is no occasional for Christians doing this behavior. It's sin. Okay. That's the ones we've already talked about. Just let you know what they are. This is um, verse 20. We're done with that verse. <clears throat> What's interesting about this one is that this is the first two commandments. 20% of the 10 commandments are violated by a single thing, idolatry. Okay. There's only five things in there particularly against God. So you are actually violating 40% of the things that are important to God. When you do when you when you commit idolatry, when you put something or somebody before God, you shall have no gods before me, no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in the waters below. Nothing. Okay. Now, what's important about this is that. The relationship that you have 
with God by putting God first is the foundation of all spirituality. When you commit idolatry, you've essentially taken the whole tree down. Does that make sense? If you had to look at spirituality as a tree, it wouldn't be cutting off a branch or picking a fruit. It wouldn't be cutting off a big branch. It would be hacking at the bottom and watching the entire tree fall. That's what idolatry does. When you commit idolatry, you remove God from the position he's in, and you eliminate all spirituality. That make sense? Paul brings it up again. He says, therefore, my dear friends, that word is actually beloved. He calls him beloved. Flee from idolatry. Now, when I first look at this, this tells you that there is one that's important. There's two things, and you can, we're going to talk about it at the end, but I'm going to bring it up now, is that in order to understand what idolatry is, you have to know the word of God. You know why that's true? It's because our society is rampant with idolatry. It's rampant. It's acceptable. It's normal. And if you as a Christian can't discern what the word of God tells you, you will act like them. And you'll feel holy because you show up on Sunday and because you tithe and because you read your 15 minutes every day. But holiness is putting the Lord first. Okay? That's a holy life. when You put God first in all you do. So when you run into it, idolatry, and you see yourself doing it, which hopefully you will, you'll flee from it. What I like about this verse, it reminds me of Daniel and Potiphar's wife. You know what the plan is for when there's sexual immorality? Get out of Dodge. Run. There's no thinking. There's no strategy. It's just go. Run. Flee. That's how idolatry is. Get out of it. Remove it from your life. It is the single killer of the spiritual life. Colossians 3, 5. <clears throat> Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's another word for sin nature. That's another word for flesh. Okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. These are idolatry. Okay? And he says here, the word where it says put to death, it's actually not the word death. It's actually to render impotent, to remove its power. Okay, when we get to them, we'll talk about that just briefly, and Joe will cover that when he gets to Galatians 5.22 and 5.23 about how to render it impotent, how to execute it. Okay. First Peter 4.3. You have spent time enough in the past doing what pagans, that's unbelievers, choose to do. You notice he didn't sit there and he, he's talking to the church, okay? He's not talking to them out there. He's talking to us in here, okay? You have spent enough time doing the things that pagans do, okay? You're familiar with it. You're intimate with it. It's not a secret, okay? So he's saying here, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry, the worst of them all. Not that the others are good, they're all bad, 
but they're how we lived our life before. Okay? Some of us didn't dive as deep into those pools, but all of us were part of them. In reality, all of us have those in us. Okay? This is the, the one that everybody's familiar with. And um, this actually says a lot of stuff to it. Good. Let me see. Okay, this is good. Um, no one can serve two masters. Um, either you will hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And I think the rest of this is you cannot serve both God and money. I don't know if I got cut off or it's in the next piece. Um, this is the nature of the human condition. Okay. This is what my wife told me why I couldn't have a girlfriend, okay? I'm just kidding. But it's a similar thing. It's very, very similar. In reality, you will love one and hate the other. This is why you can't commit adultery. It's, one of the, it's why you have to have one Lord and one God and no one else. Nobody can compete in the position of God. Not your wife, not your husband, not your children, nothing. If you have anybody in your life competing with God for that position, you are an idolater, and you will never be happy. Okay? See, big red lines. There are all these verses. Boy, I don't know. The next one is the piece we talked about is before is witchcraft. So I'm going to talk to you about it for just a second before we get into it. Because it um, shows up here. The word for witchcraft here is more of an Old Testament term. But the word for it is pharmakia. Okay, if you recognize that word, it's the word for pharmacy. Okay? And it means, in, in the New Testament, the word should be actually translated drug abuse. The reason it's not is because of the Old Testament sets the setting for it. And what happened is that the, in the Old Testament, all the witches and the wizards and the magicians and all those you read about, sorcerers, okay, all of them used drugs as a way of getting into connection with the mystic world. But when you pull the mystic world aside, it's Satan. It's demonology. Okay? Why drugs? Why are drugs so important? And by the way, I wanted to say, it, it, we, Joe was bringing up uh, last week about things that were legal. You know, marijuana is legal in Nevada, right? We all know that. But it is a sin for a Christian. It's a sin. Because of this verse, and because of what marijuana and other drugs do to you. Now, I'm not talking about don't take, you know, I, I don't want you to tell Joe I, I stopped taking my blood pressure medicine. I'm having palpitations, which is fault. So don't do that. Take your blood medicine. Take your pressure. Take all that stuff like that. But all other drugs are forbidden. And the reason that is true is because the same reason it was true in witchcraft is that in order to get a human being where you want them to accept something that is evil, you have to choke off their mentality. 
you have to you have to cause it not to think okay this is the basis of demonism it's the basis for unbelievers to be demon possessed it is the basis for believers to be demon influenced okay what it does do is it takes away a very important part of you and that is your ability to make a decision okay it hinders it it restrains it all drugs do that that is the basis of sorcery and witchcraft okay that's why it's used that way but in reality drugs have that exact same thing they can take somebody who would normally think right and they can make them think they can actually make them under the ability to listen to demonism and go that sounds like a good idea sounds like a really good idea I'm having fun here okay I don't know how to do that of course you know um, but you get the point what it does is that is it freezes the part that God gave to you to mature to live a happy life now you may not think it but it's kind of like somebody tying you up and then asking you to do something that's what drugs do except they take the most important part of you your soul the mentality of your soul and they harm it in a way that when you do it you actually don't know it okay nobody sits there and says demon come inside of me okay nobody does that well maybe some people do but very very few but in reality what you see in our society today you see more demonism than we have seen since the beginning of this country you see um, you see it there's a show called Satan isn't it Lucifer? Lucifer, that's what his name is. His name is Lucifer. There's a there's a there's a little kid show called is it Vampirina or something like that? A vampire. Okay. There's wizards and warlocks and witches and all over the place. It is becoming acceptable in our society to accept demonism. Okay. The category of demonism that drug abuse falls into is sin against self. It's in the same category as adultery that Joe had talked about when we were in Corinthians about having sex with a, 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 a prostitute. It has that same thing. Is it a sin that you commit against yourself? In reality, you are responsible for that sin. One of the best pictures of that is the demon, uh, the guy who was demon possessed. Remember, he was cutting himself and acting crazy, and, and Jesus went across. I think it was uh, Gerardine's, and he and he calmed him down, and he removed the spirits from him. Remember what happened? The guy became clear, became sober. His mind was clear as can be. That's what that does to you. Okay, half of the psychosis that we have in this country today, people who are homeless and in trouble is due to drug addiction this is due to the influence of drugs that started with something like marijuana something that's very simple there's no place in our lives for that because god wants us to grow not to be stupid okay it seduces your soul it compromises your volition that's the word for choice and it compromises your mentality, the ability to figure things out, to figure out what God's word says and what the world says to you. And when you can't figure that out, 
You do what the world says. You become like everybody else. The problem we have in Christianity today is that Christians are more like the world than they are like Christ. Revelation 9.20. Now, the setting for this is actually the tribulation. But I like the tribulation. I brought this verse up because the tribulation is the time in the future, which if you're, if you're a believer, you won't be there. Okay, we'll be in heaven having parties and things like that, real parties, fun parties without drugs, alcohol, or anything else. And we'll be 10 times happier, so it's a good deal. But it says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, and this is the wrath of God that was put upon the world in the tribulation, which is in the future, still did not repent of the works of their hands. Okay? This is the works of their hands. This means what they chose to do. Okay? Even though they knew God was, 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 uh, was punishing them, they would not give these things up. What are they? They did not give up, stop worshiping demons, okay? And idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or walk, okay? This is the old sin nature. This is our nature without God. This is everybody's nature. Before we get to this, I want to mention something that's in the New Testament. Because I actually want to cover, I want to cover, um, it's easy to think that things are um, right here. But in reality, um, they're not just in our time. They're in ancient times, the before and after. This is, the bef this is the future, okay? But I want to bring one up that's in Acts 8. And the reason I want to is that if you remember in Acts 8, when, they, when Philip the evangelist was there, this is about eight years into the church. And they go and they go up to Samaria, and Philip the Evangelist is up there, and they run into a guy called Simon the Sorcerer. Okay? Simon the Sorcerer's base of sorcery is drug abuse, as are all of them. The Witch of Endor, remember that one and Saul? Witch of Endor, basis of that is drug abuse. Drug abuse is the corridor that allows demonism to come in unoffended and unrestrained. Okay? But I want to read a piece that says here, and, and, and this is the people in Samaria. Now, Samaria, if you remember, they're half Jews, supposedly half Jews. So there, they worship God. They worship at a different place. They do some funny stuff. But in reality, they're the sex, second closest people, supposedly, to God on the face of the earth. And the people, this is the opinion of Simon the sorcerer, it says. This man is rightly called the great power of God. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery, okay? I bring that up because it lets us know that there is a deep, dark power in the world. That power is sorcery. That power is black magic. It is there. Don't underestimate it, okay? It influences anybody who believes it, anybody who believes that it has more power than God because they can see it. See, this guy did some great stuff. This, this must have been, this must have been a lot, this would have been a great uh, Las Vegas act. But in reality, it was real. The power was real, okay? Many people, many Christians 
because they don't understand doctrine, are influenced by miracles, are drawn to them. Oh, is he a healer? In, in reality, that gift does not exist anymore. Miracles are God's, and they have to be done. God does one of the things my wife reminds me of all the time. I don't like it, but I taught it to her, so I must be crazy. But God always does the right thing in the right way, always. He never does the right thing in the wrong way, ever. We as Christians are to follow that. People who see miracles, sometimes they're all, they, 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 don't, they don't grasp that the guy has not said one word of truth out of the word of God. He does a miracle and he must be a man from God or a woman from God, as the case may be. Some of us watch that tripe on television. It's evil. It's demonic. It's sorcerer. It's black magic. No matter how pretty it sounds, look at the source. If it does not match the word of God, it's demonism. Call it what it is. Don't be influenced. Okay. This is one of the verses that I like because of it. it tells us. Now, watch what it says. It says, this is from Exodus 7, 11. It says, Pharaoh had then summoned the wise men and the sorcerers. See, they're all over the place. Okay. Wise men is another word for a sorcerer, just on a different science. And the Egyptian magicians uh, also did the same things by their secret arts. And what this was is that, if you remember this piece right here, God did, God did this miracle through Moses. And what happened is that they duplicated it. What that does is it tells those who can be influenced, who do not know God, that these people, these demons, are every bit as powerful as God. Okay? They did the same stuff. They have power. This is in 1440, 1450 BC. That's when it happens. Okay? 3,500 years ago. And they had a lot of demonology. This one, 800, 800 BC, I'm stop smacking that thing. Sounds like a, a lifesaver. It's kind of cool. Except I can't do it on purpose. Um, Isaiah 47, 9. This comes from um, about 800 BC. It's uh, the northern kingdom, so it's the ten tribes that are in the north of Israel. These are the, the, the tribes, both the northern and southern tribes, are the people of God representing God on the face of the earth, just like we are. This country is not a Christian country by definition. But what it is is a country full of Christians that represent God more than any country in the world. Okay, And that's why we are protected. That's what their role was, too. That's what they were supposed to do. Okay? So it says both of these will take you over. Now, the verse before, I didn't put it in there. It says what they say in the verse before, they say, we will never be a, a widow or suffer the loss of our children. Okay? What God says to them is this, through Isaiah, it says both of these will overtake you in a moment, on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. That means their children will be killed by the Assyrians, 721 BC, which is what happens to them. They get wiped out, okay, get taken captive, and their husbands are all murdered. Okay? They will come, to, they will come upon you in full measure. That's the discipline of God. 
If people turn from God and their country turns from God, he will discipline them, okay? He will raise up his people someplace else, but not in those people who are unfaithful to him, okay? Now, this is the part that shows you they're unfaithful. In spite of your many sorceries and all of your potent spells, these are believers. These are believers he's talking to here. This is the northern kingdom, 10 tribes of Israel, okay, called Israel, not Judah. Judah is the southern kingdom. But it tells you that in spite of their sorceries, they were into sorcery, and they were into actually putting together spells. That's drugs, causing people to influence them, have power over them. God's people. In history, many times God's people have practiced evil things through juggle influence. It captivates them. We even know about them in Thyatira in Revelation in the first century. We learned about that in a Revelation class where they had a woman who was very sexual within their own congregation leading them into evil. That was a church of the first century church. If you think we are immune, you're in trouble. Okay, if you think it should be tolerated, you're in trouble. God's truth is his truth. I wrote down a little note to myself is that the thing that's remembered is that when, when Paul pleads, and it's in um, Romans 7.24, and it's one of my favorite pieces. When I really mess up, this is, the, this is the first thing that comes out of my heart. Who will save me from this body of death? Okay, that's Paul speaking. And the answer to it is, Christ Jesus, okay? But in reality, we possess this body of death. And the only way to protect it is to know what God's word is, is to take shelter in him, because we don't have that kind of strength. Joe's thinking you should have cut more out. One more. Just kidding. Um, he did cut more out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the solution to this piece. What is the solution to where we're at? This vulnerability that we have. This body that is evil. It has the old sin nature in it. It is always dying to do what is wrong, always provoking us. What is the solution to it? There's a verse, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and it says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so to instruct him? And what it says to that is that, but we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is everything. If you don't know what God says, you're not going to be able to figure it out. 
demon thoughts and demonism will, will creep into your life just like it has creeped into our society. It is rampant. And the last one, yeah, there's the last one here. Joey, great job. <laughs> the last verse here is the one that Joe gave you last week. Okay, it's Romans 12, 2. We're all familiar with it. One of the first ones I taught my children. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind with Bible doctrine, Bible principles should rule your mind. If they don't, you're a lamb to slaughter. The world will take you over, and you won't even know it. You'll leave the church and think it was a smart thing to do. You'll start doing those things, and what you will miss is the great love that God has for you because you have taken that tree down, the spirituality of the Christian life. The last piece is it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you can only do that by knowing the word of God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit reminding us that we're, we're in a battle. We're, we are not in our own land here. We are in a land that is not ours. We are foreigners. We are citizens of heaven. And not to get comfortable here. There's so many things to distract us from our race towards maturity and fulfilling your plan. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to understand that you are to be first in our lives in all things, no exceptions whatsoever. That we are not in any way to restrain or hurt the mentality that allows us to worship you in our souls. And that we will put your word first and foremost so we know where we're going. And that your Holy Spirit will dwell in us and fill us to the power of God. I ask this in Jesus' name who did it perfectly. Amen.